Good morning. Oh, what a beautiful sea of faces. You're a good looking lot, aren't you? You're not sure about that, are you? Be positive, own it. You are. So we're going to carry on this morning with our home series. So it's lovely to be here. This is home, our church home. It's absolutely gorgeous to be able to walk in, see faces. And we're obviously here and in Horwich, there's two locations. And and uh, I just love it when I'm here, I miss Horwich, when I'm there, I miss here. And it's just that gorgeous thing, isn't it, of that connection of God setting us in community, in a church family. So last week, Cookie introduced the series and talked about who we are. If you missed that, please do watch it online because that shows the very essence as a senior leader, like what he carries in that vision and way of how he sees us as church family. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're just really incredibly grateful for Cookie and for Anna as they lead us in our church. And, do you know, I just love that even as we're looking at all the, the things that we do with CAP, You see, the beautiful thing is that those names that we mentioned, you might not know those incredible women that are serving, that have served faithfully for 10 years, for 15 years, for so many different ones that have been in and out of supporting the service that we run as CAP over the years. But the reality is, is that working alongside and being in teams together, that's what makes it home for me. It's not just rushing in and out. Hi, bye. It's the reality of people actually getting to know me, warts and all. Not even just the bits that you hide. The stuff that is really you. And that's why we have life groups. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have teams to work together in. Because particularly in bigger churches, you can come in and just be anonymous and come and go and leave. And home is much more than that. It's about us being together as family, celebrating and standing together in those losses. So we are a Pentecostal church. Thank you. We used to be called Bolton Pentecostal Church, BPC. And uh, it was quite a mouthful. And people go, what's Pentecostal? And uh, we'd have to explain it all. And then obviously, as Ian had the vision of what the bridge would be, our name changed to the bridge about being our bridge to communities, our bridge from, to people, to God. And uh, I love that heart, but it's sometimes we can forget our Pentecostal roots in the midst of not using the language that can sometimes be seen as quite old-fashioned. And uh, I'm going to explain what it means to be Pentecostal in a little while. But we're part of an Assemblies of God movement. So in Great Britain, our denomination is Assemblies of God. So when we're looking at what we believe today, I can't do a whistle-stop tour of all the statements of faith and beliefs. But if you would like to just have a look at the statements of faith on our website, bridgeballon.com, or on aoggb.com, you can literally go on there and have a read, and then if there's anything of that that you'd like to discuss in a little bit more detail. But we have our discipleship courses and things like that where we can dig a bit deeper into what our basis of faith is all about. And we'll touch a little bit on it all this morning. 
So is that all right? Hold on then. (laughs) As we walk through what it is that we believe. But do you know, one of the things that um, I was really challenged about this last week, I had the privilege of representing us here in our um, annual missions conference for Assemblies of God, where ministers from not just this country, but literally from all over the world come together and wait on God, hear, speak together, just inspire one another with what God's doing in so many different places. And um, I got really giddy because this year, those of you that know me know I love a bit of a study. So a big passion of mine is missiology, which is basically looking at how the church does mission today and how we can uh, be relevant in our communities. And uh, there was this guy called Michael Goheen and I used a lot of his books in some recent study I'd been doing and he was the guest speaker I know you'll not have heard of him (laughs) but to me in the academic missiology mindset oh my word I was so giddy I was like his biggest fan I was really trying not to like go up there and go he was the most humble humble guy and an incredible academic Harry just opened up scriptures and just really inspiring but actually the thing that I came away with from that conference wasn't meeting one of my heroes even though they were amazing him and his wife were so lovely incredibly humble and yet in the midst of that the thing that I've come away with is just saying sorry to God because all over the world there are Christians that cannot meet together freely like this that cannot come together to worship in a beautiful building like this that cannot openly have their worship teams loudly playing their music without fear of their own lives oh God I love my bed sometimes and I'm like, I really could do with a lion on a Sunday. Oh God. So many different commitments, so many different things. How do we take for granted the fact that we have the freedom to worship in our church home? And I came away so humbled as we prayed for people across the most dangerous places to be a Christian across the world and heard stories that will remain faceless and will remain nameless because of their safety. And yet in our Western mindset, success is about this isn't it it's about shouting from the platform it's about having a microphone in your hand and being able to be seen as successful we have this warped mindset in the west as to how we view what success is and yet here were stories of people that we can never name we can never show photos of We can never even really say specifics about what's going on. But we can hear that God is moving in a significant way in countries and places where the church has to remain underground 
because otherwise the, the fear of their lives and their families' lives. But God is moving. And I felt so convicted that sometimes, oh, I don't want to go. That person's fell out with me. I really don't want to see them. Oh, I don't want to go to church. It might be playing songs that I don't like. I don't want to go to church. It's just too cold. It's too wet. And then I hear stories of people that are literally putting their lives on their line because they take so seriously God's word where it says, do not give up meeting together. God puts us in community. Oh, church, we all have different seasons in life. We all have different things that come and go. But I came away from there with a real heavy heart to pray for Christians in places that literally can never be seen to be lifting up the name of Jesus without fear of their lives. And yet they do. They walk in their faith, they talk their faith, they meet together, although not publicly, and they see the incredible miracles of the same God that we serve here, moving miraculously, miraculously. Oh God, help us not take for granted the beautiful and wonderful freedom we have in this nation to worship you and to live by your name. Oh God, help us. Help us as to what being home in this church looks like. So I want us to just have a a look at the verse that we've been really focusing on for this series. It says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And I love this verse because it literally is just one that you get hold of. And it's so easy, isn't it, to just say, oh, it's much nicer to be a bit anonymous or to stay a bit distant or to keep everybody at arm's length. But there's something about being planted, which was what Anna was talking about earlier on, where your roots are going deeper. And there's something about being able to grow together that is an incredible challenge, but an incredible blessing. And it goes on to say in this verse, it says, growing in grace, they will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital, rich in trust and love and contentment. Now, my uncle always had a saying that old age is 10 years older than you are now. So my age now, since I've hit my 50s, I'm like, you think that was really old, but nah, nah, it's like another decade away, isn't it? But what I love about this is that the Bible is full of saying, if you are young, don't let people look down on you because of your age. Stand up in your faith and know the authority of God. We've been singing about that this morning. And in the same way, if you are old, know that you will flourish still and you are vital. Just look at each other and say, you're vital. You're vital. Because <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what age we are, sometimes we can feel very insignificant 
we can feel very faceless and nameless, just like our friends in more dangerous countries can be. And God would say to you today, you are vital. You are vital. You are vital to show people Jesus just as you are, warts and all. There's a wonderful quote that Nicky Gumbel says. And he says, stop looking for a perfect church. It does not exist. Join an imperfect church. I think we've got a slide for it, actually, if you want to follow it. Join an imperfect church and serve in every way. And then you can make it nearer to perfection. (laughs) You see, anyone that turns up here, if you've been here for more than five minutes, you'll have realised that you've met some imperfect people. You'll have realised that um, you'll have bumped shoulders with people that aren't like you don't like the same things as you, may well have offended you, and you just go, what is that all about? And I remember like when I was a young child, uh, my mum says that I used to ask her, can we go to church? And uh, we weren't from a Christian family or background, and and she used to go take me along to our local Anglican church, and I just loved sitting in the church building, and I would love sitting in the service. And then at the end of the service, I would say bye to God. <laughs> bye, God. And I would walk out of the building. And, uh, but I just liked going to church. And as I got older, um, I started hearing some of the conversations and being more aware of the reality of life and going, I can't believe they're Christians. <laughs> Can you believe that? And it actually affected me to a way that I just went, well, if that's what religion's all about, don't want anything to do with it. I will leave God in his lovely church building and I will get on with the rest of my life. And then God practically arrested me and wrestled me to the ground, literally at a meeting. And I had an incredible vision of Jesus Christ on the cross with his nail-pierced hands saying, this is for you. This is for you. And that revelation of my Jesus going from not just sitting in a building, in a religion, to saying, this is for me, completely transformed my life. Because then, rather than having that judgmental attitude of, can you believe they just said that? I started looking inward and realising how flawed and how imperfect I am. And what an incredible God we have got that says, you may be imperfect, but you are forgiven. And that is the basis that now I just feel so overwhelmed by God. I love the fact that he throws us in perfect lot together to just be able to bump alongside as iron sharpens iron. And sometimes we don't like our edges being bumped off. We don't have to go, I can't believe they think that. I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Can we turn the lights up? Can we do all this? It really is all irrelevant from the fact that when we come back to our Jesus and we see him on that cross saying, this is for you, 
it changes our perspective of how we engage with everybody else around us. Because our vision statement is this, that will come up. We are a light on a hill. We are transforming our communities one person at a time. The verse that this comes from, I just want us to take some time to actually read this. It says, you are the light of the world. You. You are the light of the world. A town cannot be built on a hill and it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone else in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Let your light shine before others. See, I constantly have this this fear. I know I'm not good enough. I know I'm not worthy. I know that there are many more talented and wonderful people that God calls alongside. But one of the things that I absolutely rejoice in is that the same as God calls Moses, when Moses was saying, I cannot do anything, all God said is, what is in your hand? And Moses literally just had his stick, didn't he? That's all he had in his hand. But what he did with that then was that he threw it down before God. Do you know, I love that in our wonderful church, we have people of all different gifts and abilities who generously throw down their gift before God and say, God, that's all I have. And then in that release, God says, let me show you what I can do with your weaknesses because people will know it's my strength with your foolishness because then we can see it's God's wisdom because they've got nothing to do with them, is it? (laughs) Then with all their flaws and imperfections. But when we throw it down to God, and sometimes there's a wrestle with that, there's a real wrestle to let go of something that we want to hold on to and want to feel precious about. But that's the thing that makes us feel special. And yet God says, throw it down and let me see what I can do with it. In service of others, we throw our gifts down and see what God can do. Do you know, when we talk about CAP, there isn't just the key coaches, although they have worked incredibly. There is a whole team of people that make the brews, that sit and talk, that put crafts on and activities and things that people can do alongside to just build relationship and friendship and community. Because our home is community. So for every single one of you that serve in ways that will not be seen and you may be faceless and nameless, thank you. Not just here, but well beyond wherever you are in your workplaces, in your homes. Thank you. When you're constantly serving your families and you are showing that light of Jesus. Thank you for not giving up. Because it can be hard, can't it? And sometimes we get home and we see that pile of laundry again and all the mess and all the stuff, 
or sometimes it's just very, very lonely. And God says, but I see you and you are vital. Absolutely vital. Because right before that verse in Matthew 5, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) When people persecute you. When they falsely say all kinds of things against you. Because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. You are the light of the world. You know, there's so many different ways we can look at what it means to be Pentecostal. We have this incredible, beautiful picture of um, that in Acts. And if you've not read Acts recently, read through early Acts as well for the early church. If you didn't get to attend John Andrews's course with us, the discipleship course on Walk in the Spirit, really encourage you to ask for the videos or the notes of that because it's just so wonderful to be able to really study some of the things that, that are important to us as our beliefs as our church. You know, there's all sorts of different things we can study. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. Christology is the study of Christ throughout the scriptures. Theology, you may have heard of more in school, that is study of God and his word. There's lots of other ologies. Soteriology, how do you get saved? There's eschatology, what's the end times going to look like? You can literally put an ology on pretty much anything and uh, just make it sound really clever. But... <laughs> but Ultimately, all the ologies in the world take us back to the fact that Jesus is the word. (laughs) And we have our inspired word of God here. But as it reminds us in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. In him was life. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So in the way that the Father sent the Son into this world as the word that we read and breathe and study, that Jesus then said, wait on me and I will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the advocate. So we have the imminence of God, which basically means that rather than being deistically distant, like I was saying when I used to visit the church and then I'd say, bye God, see you next time. That would be a distant God. But the imminence of God means that he is literally with us 
always. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows what's going on in our heads, in our hearts, in our families, in our situations. He knows where we've been. He knows where we're going. He is with us always. So we love that we have this incredible Pentecostal church that celebrate our God because the Holy Spirit with us means that rather than looking at our situations, we can say, blessed are you, the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. Where we take our eyes off our situations and we can say, oh, magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord. We exalt his name together, not our own names, not judging whether we're being successful or failures. And I love the choice of songs that Matt has picked this morning that just flow so beautifully through being in the Father's house, through the fact that his failures, our failures, he turns into his successes. And as the band just come back onto the stage now, I just want to give you a little whistle-stop tour of some lovely faces of our history. So there should be a picture here. Do you recognise anyone? No, I'd be so surprised if you did. (laughs) This is actually a photo. The guy in the middle is called William Seymour. So... I love the story of this man. He's very important in Pentecostal history. And this is a picture of the very first leadership team of a Pentecostal church, as was then called, that we have anyway. (laughs) I want to tell you about William Seymour. He was the son of slaves. This is in Los Angeles, if you know anything about even the remotest American history, you will know that that wasn't a very powerful position to be in. But he had this incredible dream that the church that he had read about in Acts of the Apostles could be the same God yesterday, today and forever. So he had this dream that they could have an interracial congregation. Even with um, segregationist, it's a tough word that, it's not got an ology on the end, that's why. Segregationist laws of the time, it prevented interracial marriage. And people used to even use Bible verses to say why this wasn't right to have interracial marriages. Or integrated education, it was not even heard of. Separate, separate, separate. But William had this real heart and sense that when we read that it says there are neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, you are all one in Christ. It means we are all one body and we are all one bread. And so this wonderful leadership team just literally waited on God. They waited and waited. They had prayer meetings. They just believed. They cried out to God, what is this Holy Spirit revival that could come as I've seen in Acts of the Apostles? 
And in 1906, there was literally an outpouring of the same that we read in Acts upon this church in Azusa Street in Los Angeles down a back street led by a son of slaves having women on his leadership team where women had no power, no vote, no voice were seen as a burden, not a blessing. What a beautiful picture. <laughs> wow. Wow. A wonderful racial and gender mix of church serving together. Incredibly challenging and any time when we just see the things that the world would say you are not, that it doesn't make sense, that somebody would be more suited, kind of expect that William Seymour wouldn't have been picked really. <laughs> And yet God says, give me the things that I seem foolish in this world and I'll show you my wisdom. Give me the things that seem the weakest in this world and I'll show you my strength. Because it's not about them. It's about the fact that they literally waited on God. They cried out to God and revival came and literally from that place went right across the world in so many other places. And this was seen as, as a real starting point for the Pentecostal movement. That fresh outpouring, like on the day of Pentecost, of the Holy Spirit. But since then... Many things have come to light. We know of the Welsh Revival here, just close to us, 1904, where Evan Roberts literally, again, waited on God. And we heard of 100,000 people that gave their lives to Christ, that were literally just walking into churches and saying, what, what do I do to give my life to Christ? And there were records of the whole crime being reduced so much that it was such the toughest areas where crime was so violent all the time that literally as people gave their lives to Christ it was practically unheard of that any crime would go on in those areas. In Korea in 1903 some Methodist ministers went and met and had a study on the Holy Spirit and we read now from literature that has come to light that revival broke out. And now, even in North Korea, that is literally number one on the most dangerous places to live as a Christian, we know that there are seeds of revival in the underground church that is happening. Oh God, be with them. Lord, have your way in that nation and beyond from Methodist missionaries over a hundred years ago. This picture is of a lady called Pandita Ramabai. Beautiful lady. Only recently have we heard of writings that have come out that before the Azusa Street revival that, that we knew so well, Pandita was a high caste Hindu convert. This lady had such a passion and a heart for social justice. 
there were women that were widows and orphans and girls that were literally worthless and seen as completely abandoned and living on streets, really struggling to survive because there were no rights for them at all. And as God moved on her life, she set up incredible social work called Mukti Mission, which still exists today, actually, in her name. And out of this, she had this passion to wait on God. As a Hindu convert, a woman that was completely seen as worthless... She wanted to wait on God. And in daily intercession with these girls, there is records that in one day, 550 girls were gathered in daily intercession. And there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And these girls and widows and women that the world said, you are outcasts, you are not worthy literally were filled with visions and dreams and went out from that place preaching in boldness because the Holy Spirit had come upon them and they had encountered our living Christ. See, there's incredible things that we can look at, we can work through, we can think about, but ultimately, when we are on our knees before Christ then it is that revelation that literally makes all the things of the world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Because the world will be telling you, you are worthless. You are faceless. You are voiceless. You are of no power. And God says the opposite. He says you are vital. You are needed. You are seen. You are the light of the world that pushes back the darkness. You are going into places where nobody else can go. You are meeting people on a daily basis that our incredible God would say, you are there because I've sent you there. You are there because you are vital in that place. Don't worry about what the world says is success. Put to one side what you think about yourself and throw down whatever gift is in your hand to say, this is all I have. This is all I am. But in the name of Jesus, when we look to him and we can say, oh, magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord. Everything else is irrelevant. Oh, magnify the Lord. When we see that incredible waiting on God, that then we have that personal revelation of God. It takes away us complaining about everybody else and all the faults and failings that are around. And we celebrate our diversity and our mix and our beautifulness of being home in church together. Flawed, imperfect, but forgiven all up and down on our journeys and together God calls us to community to support one another to strengthen one another to pray alongside one another to celebrate together and we're going to sing now and we're just going to say God with every breath that is in my lungs God may I magnify you God, may every word that comes out of my mouth stop complaining and magnify you. God, may every step 
that I take my foot, claim ground for pushing back the darkness because the light is in me. Church, will you stand with me? Dear God, we thank you for the privilege of being planted in the house of the Lord. Your promises that we will flourish. Your promises that we will be vital. God, I thank you, Father, that, God, you have called us to serve together for such a time as this in this home, in this church family, in this community. And God, we lift up those Christians that are living in places where it is incredibly difficult. God, in the furthest places of the world. God, in war-raged places right now. God, that we cannot even get our minds around the cost of discipleship. God, we look to the people to our left and right. God, we see the apathy of our Western world world. God, forgive us for when we just go along with it. God, may we just always point people to Jesus, that we magnify your name through words, through deeds, through no words, through no deeds, but literally just knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit is living within us. God, we thank you, Father, for the privilege to carry your light into this world, that we literally can see communities transforming one person at a time with every divine appointment that we go into in this world. God, forgive us when we forget the power that is within us. God, forgive us when we forget who we are in you and we start believing the lies of the world and the evil one that would rob us of the incredible power power of Jesus Christ. God, thank you that you ask for the lowliest. You ask for the least likely. You ask for the most unworthy. And yet, God, you turn our testimonies and whatever is in our hands, God, as we lay it before you, God, we pray you do the miracle. God, you do the miracle. God, as we lift up those that we love. God, with family situations that can be incredibly difficult, God, you do the miracle. God, we just pray, Father, that we will be that salt and light wherever we go. And we trust that you do the miracle. God's success is not our own version of it. God's success is because we are blessed by you. God, in every day, in every way, in Jesus' name, may we sing with every single breath that we have in our lungs. May we declare, may we magnify your name, may we exalt your name. Great are you, O oh God. Great are you, O oh Lord. Amen.